0: This is the official Caps Shirt podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey show and I am back with another incredible episode of the official Caps Shirt podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be post morteming because it was an actual, absolute killing. Uh, the two games in Philadelphia, or against Philadelphia, I should say, along with league news and everything else that happened around uh, the league and hockey at large <clears throat> in the past week, which is typical, as per tradition, for our Monday podcast. If you're an OG, you know that. If you're new, thanks for joining OG's Love You Mean It. On Thursday, I don't have a guest, so... I will be pontificating, pontificating, if you will, uh, on all sorts of just, uh, you know, what, what does Backstrom and Wilson coming back mean? And, you know, what options do the capitals have as trade deadline approaches here in March, uh, to, you know, make any personnel changes? Are their hands tied? Like, you know, what the fuck are they going to do? So <clears throat> without further ado. Let's pop some tabs and get right into this Monday episode of the official Caps Trip podcast. One, two, three. All right. I need to crack one myself to be completely honest. The Bruins have locked in Pavel Zaka for four years at 19 million. That's a New Jersey draft pick. Thought they were going to really have something special with Zaka. Never really panned out. New Jersey moved him and, you know, look at both teams now. So, good for everyone, uh, these type of moves. It's a nice contract for the Bruins both ways. When the cap raises, you know, this will be a movable contract if need be. And for the player himself, he'll be able to re-up during his prime. Uh, you know, it's four years. He'll be like 28, 29, I believe, uh, even 27 before this this kind of deal ends. So, it's a bit of a show-me contract. Uh, and I love when players bet on themselves. So, Good for the Bruins, Good for Pavel Zaka to secure the bag a bit. 19 million is nothing to scoff at. And that's guaranteed money, folks. The Seattle Kraken are on a heater with an eight game winning streak and tied with the Kings for second in the Pacific. That is incredible. Obviously, Burakovsky, I believe Grubauer is there. I mean, we've got a lot of guys and Nate Schmidt even. No, I don't know. Anyways, a lot of X caps there on, uh, with the Kraken. Good to see that the expansion team is, is you know, competitive. I don't think anybody – you know, I agree half-heartedly with the Washington Capitals and – or I mean with the, with the NHL when it comes to their – they want uh, expansion teams to be competitive right off the bat. Back in the day, you got a whole entire crew of fourth liners. The Washington Capitals are great. Uh, example of that, they hold the record for the worst season in the NHL, and that's long standing. I don't know if that'll ever be broken. So you know, Caps fans, we have that to go by. Um, but you know, good for the Kraken. Though I still think I still love when the the Vegas Golden Knights fail, primarily because since they were the new or the first expansion team in a long time with these and the first with these new rules, the you know. McPhee was able to really just bend people over the barrel and I think he took advantage of a lot of things and I would too. So that still leaves a a shitty taste in my mouth for them. Plus, obviously, the finals and how obnoxious Vegas fans are, you know, easy to hate. But the Seattle Kraken seem to be a little bit less obnoxious. Uh, especially in their fan base, and and we're looking forward to it. Plus, the Winter Classic next year with the two expansion teams, Vegas and, and Seattle, in Seattle, that'll be very cool. Uh, but speaking of the Kings, Phoenix Copley stole the starter position in L.A. and is absolutely rocking it. Good for him. Jonathan Quick is backing up, and Cal Peterson, I believe, is either injured or waived. I mean, he's almost like out Ah, uh, sorry. Taking a lot of drinking breaks. I've been, uh, cause this is a heavy recording day. I'll be uh, doing a lot of talking. So thank me later. Um, Oh, five in a game. What up from five in a game? Shout out. Uh, chirped us here on the live stream. If you don't know, I, I live stream all of these episodes, usually late at night, like what I'm doing right now on Sundays. So if you want to tune in, see me live, go for that. Uh, chirp me as it goes down. Uh, I'd like to point out though, really quickly, the Bruins are currently rocking a plus 66 goal differential folks. That is crazy. The next closest just for, just for comparison is New Jersey in the whole league for, with a plus 39 goal differential. I mean, they're really running away with it at this point. Um, you know, that's like Colorado Avalanche of last year's goal differential. I think that the Colorado Avalanche ended the season with like over 100, uh, but under 120. So it was like 106-109 goal differential, plus 106-109 goal differential last year. And we all know what they went on to do. So, you know, the Bruins, what a story. If they do go on to win the Cup, what, what a story. Uh, just... Honestly, like a good feel-good story for a team that really believed in players that were legacy players and, and brought them back for, you know, one last go at it, it seems. Um, for me, the goal differential stat's really key uh, when you're looking at, like, how teams are trending. You know, teams who are outside looking in, uh, like Buffalo, like Pittsburgh right now in the East, have a pl- have a, have a solid plus column goal differential so usually those teams even if they're getting beat a lot you know and but their goal differentials is you know higher that generally trends them up obviously you have to score more goals than the opponent to win games it'd be a very weird uh, situation where uh, a team would be a playoff team with a negative goal differential you know, either they'd have to blow out teams that they, or they'd have to be blown out by teams they lost to, and then barely win by teams that they did to to have it. I mean, it's possible, but in today's NHL, it's not very likely. So, you know, you're looking at the the last span of things. Buffalo, who currently has 44 points, is very much outside looking in, has a plus 17 goal differential. That's a real big flip from a couple weeks ago when they were in the red. So. Interesting stuff kind of formulating. The East has been one of the most exciting conferences in all of sports, I think, this season uh, in the NHL uh, to uh, to follow because they, they it's just been so competitive. No Atlantic teams right now hold a wild card spot, and they're actually being bumpered by the Pittsburgh Penguins right now who are currently outside looking in. That's always a good thing. But, um, you know, it's 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 been crazy because – you would think that with this wild card system that a metro team wouldn't be dominating the wild card you know it'd be one for one in a perfect world but the metro as i've stated on this podcast many many times is that you know most competitive league in, or conf or sorry division <laughs> in hockey uh, and maybe in all sports who knows um so anyways, I'm picking Buffalo to be rising in the East and really making the Washington Capitals life tough, along with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders who are right now, you know, occupying back and forth the bottom, the very last playoff spot and the last wild card spot. So, you know, Tage Thompson, man, dude's a fucking stud, no doubt. Uh, just real quick, you know, custom local Caps News. Shout shout out Jordan Dabney, or as you may know her on Twitter, at Vechkin creating an uh, Erie Otters jersey for MLK Day. Uh, super cool. Check it out. It's all over Twitter. Uh, if you check her out, at Jovechkin, J Ovechkin, uh, J with Ovechkin on it. Um, lots of, uh, explanations to like what the thing was with her design and whatnot. Would love to get her on the show. I've reached out. Hopefully it comes through. Um, interesting move from Stevie Y out of Detroit, waving goalie Alex Nedlevic. Uh I hope I'm Nedzlakovic. I'm hoping I'm pronounced that right. I think it's Nedlevic. But uh, was really an up-and-comer in Carolina. Uh, Carolina did a great job. They thought that they were secure, bringing Freddie Anderson in. Moved out uh, Nedlevic. And Detroit thought they had something. Apparently not. Uh, this is a team that was you know, carrying three tendies and finally decided to move away from that. Um, they waived Verana, who has been a healthy scratch in the AHL uh, for a few, few games. I mean, I'm not sure he just came back from the player's assistance program uh, with an undisclosed kind of ailment, whether it be mental health, substance abuse, you know, really anything that's not physical is something that they can go into for the player assistance program. And he's also, <clears throat> you know, been on, on without, with a bum shoulder last season, Verona, so <clears throat> a lot of things that they had to make mo- room for in Detroit because Fabry, who's actually lighting it up, came back and he's been good in his return. So uh, it looks like Stevie White has a good good pulse on the team. Unfortunately, some players that we love are, are losing out on it, and you know, not that I love Nedeljkic, but kind of a guy that I thought would have had a promising career in the NHL, uh, just not getting. Uh, I guess enough reps or enough of a chance with Detroit who I do believe think that they have a really good playoff team together for, for themselves. You know, they, they would love to make the playoffs and build upon that next season um, as any team who's been outside looking in would. So interesting moves there. Something in international hockey uh, on the, on the ladies side, Nila uh, Lopusanova. Lupusanova scored a, a Michigan goal in the U18 Women's World Championship. She leads the tourney with seven goals and 10 points in four games. What a stud. And the kicker is she's 14 years old. Wild. That's crazy. Like a freshman, not even like an eighth grader, maybe like a freshman in high school going out and just tearing it up. Jesus, I would hate to be playing against that that person in in uh, high school hockey, especially a freshman. Oof. But in any case, good for her. Awesome goal. Great to see it. And it, was, it wasn't it was against, you know, this is Slovakia uh, who she plays for, and it wasn't against like some, some schlub of a team in international play. This was against the powerhouse Swedish team that, that she pulled this off of. So awesome stuff. Uh, another guy that kind of, you know, I want to call out here is PK Subban. He was honored before a Habs versus Preds game late uh, or last Thursday. You know, say what you will about this dude, but he has a shining, loud personality. These are the type of guys, and and we've been hammering this on this podcast, this is the type of guy that, that the NHL needs to just like bottle up and put out there. You know, he's super bright personality, isn't shy of the camera, and has also just done just some incredible humanitarian work in Montreal He'd committed over a certain amount of years, several years, to help fundraise ten million dollars for the children's hospital. It ended up, be, uh, you know, allowing the children's hospital in Montreal to build an entire new wing. I mean, you know, this is a guy who cares, and I think that really comes through. Maybe you don't like his bolsterous or or whatever personality, but if if you don't, I mean, I don't know, get out from under the rock, be you know, less than 90 years old. I don't know what to say to you. Like go eat your cream of wheat. I don't know. Anyways, PK Subban. He's the man. Awesome to see that honored before Havs and prez game. Well-deserved. I really hope that even though he's retired, that we get to see and continue to see PK Subban throughout, you know, the rest of hockey time until he's an old man. That'd be cool. Injuries patches out Again, 38 he missed 38 games this season for Carolina and just recently returned, has been scoring, scored four goals, out again with a lower body injury. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights captain Mark Stone out week to week with an upper body injury. Uh, you know, some mainstays on these teams that are just taking taking dives. Uh or or going out, not exactly taking a dive, but you know, getting banged up. Tarasenko. Could return this week. That's a guy who's been a glass cannon a la TJ Oshie, but not nearly as bad as TJ, Than Tarasenko. Uh, You know, this is a guy who's, you know, very Ovechkin-like, another Russian scoring winger, um, was supposed to be, you know, and was a very big part of the St. Louis Blues Cup. Uh, You know, just uh, any team that has his contract right now, it's a gamble because he's literally a glass cannon. He gets injured a lot. Uh, he's starting to age and, you know, it's tough. It's a tough look, but glad to see him coming back. Hope he lights it up in the West. Uh, suspensions. No real suspensions this w- <laughs> this week, but there's some pretty funny ones. Well, at least one, this first one I'm going to talk about cracked me up. Sergachev of the, the Lightning find 5K for absolutely, which is the max, for absolutely cold cocking Connor Garland uh, of the Canucks. If you see the film of this you know Sergachev knows it's worth it i mean he there's no he didn't try to hide it uh garland's coming in swinging uh kind of haphazardly and Sergachev just crushes him with, <laughs> with a straight right it puts him to the ground um pretty solid punch i'm going to be honest I, I liked watching it so funny stuff uh luckily i don't i don't think he's hurt uh If he is, I'm sorry for laughing, but it was quite a comical exchange. Keller, uh, Clayton Keller also find the same for cross-checking Eric Branstrom. Now, this one uh, was well-deserved. He was ejected this game, and he just kind of comes up and and cross-checks Eric Branstrom in the front, who did take quite a few liberties and roughed him up in front of the net. But, uh, you know, that's what you get for going in front of the net. This is hockey. You know, you're going to get cross-checked and and bumped around. Um, You know, I think... Branstrom took one or two actual liberties against him, but to come up and, and I don't think, honestly, I don't think Clayton Keller meant to cross check him in the neck. I think that he was trying to get him high, probably in between the shoulder blades, or I mean in between the shoulders, uh, and came up high into the neck, obviously a scrum ensued and, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, good stuff there. All of these warranted for sure. So, Caps fans, I do have to pay the bills here. The NFL action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 in the NFL divisional round. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger pat with DraftKings stepped up. Same game parlays boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Uh, pro, it's probably over, but Ravens were playing the Bengals. I don't know who's running into what buzz saw there, but hey, I don't really follow the NFL. Uh, big hockey guy here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet five dollars on the NHL divisional round and get 200 free bets instantly. Bet at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for. Details. All right, Capstans, let's talk about this uh, subpar at best week that we had uh, f- for the Washington Capitals here on the Washington Wraparound. All right. So, Capstans, as you may know, we went 0-2 this week. I had said, and I'm never wrong, that we would go 2-0. And I think that we went two and zero in our hearts. So again, never wrong streak continued. Um, you know, I look at these, <laughs> I look at these two games, and it's like if anybody's going to go off player or team, uh, it's going to be against the Washington Capitals. We just, uh, you know, we play a good Patsy there. So on the eleventh, we're at Philly. There's a five to three duh or or L. Um, and. You know, I think that ultimately we, uh, hold on, let me check this. I might just be drunk. You know, yeah, We it's an L. Yeah, sorry, 5-3-L. For some reason on my outline I had a dub. That was stupid. Uh, of course, you know, don't drink an outline. Anyways, I wasn't really able to watch this game, uh, but, you know, Again, this is this is a team that the Flyers trying to turn a corner, getting some scoring from their top guys, and f- looked at the Washington Capitals and said, you know, we're just going to come eat you up. You've got guys returning. Obviously, things are in limbo with your lines. Whatever, whatever. And and here it is. So on the 11th, the, play, the Flyers got on the board on an OV penalty with a shot from Scott Lawton, who just seems to have our number every game. The Caps did have an answer really late in the period with a nice rush play and coverage from Jensen to Hathaway where the cross pass, cross pass bounced off the Flyers' defense and, and Hathaway's skate and into the net. But Travis Connecty answered 30 seconds later with a pass in front as no one picked him up. Kind of a weird situation here in the past couple games that I've noticed is that like, you know, we have the guys back. We have the personnel in the right places. Just nobody is picking – I think blown assignments in close are really what is killing us. Um Ovi had a breakaway and tried to go five-hole. It probably could have gone wider and roofed it. But uh, this is a chance uh, early in front. that, and, and then he also had a chance early in front that, or that didn't go either. So, you know, it's not like the Caps were out here just getting absolutely dominated. They had their chances. They just couldn't find their finish. In the second, there was no scoring, uh, which is odd because the Caps' best period – has been the second by far in the season. The goalies on both ends had to make a ton of incredible saves to keep their respective teams in it, including a two on O break on Kemper that he stuffed. Love that. Uh, you know, Kemper is solid. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, I might have to agree with Tendy talk. Uh, he may not be the guy that will steal you games, but he is 100% solid and makes some crazy saves. Uh, he in this game, particularly, while we still lost, he definitely kept it from being a blowout. In the third, the Caps finally got on their horse and the game really opened up. Uh, but to the detriment of the Caps in this frame, Tippett had a nice snipe and the Caps gave it gave up a two-on-one for a shorthanded goal from Connect Me Again. Provolov gave, uh, gave Mojo a gift that he buried, which was nice. This passes right to him. It's a pass Pro is probably feeling like he shouldn't have made and was a dumbass for making, but this happens. People make mistakes. Oh, she also buried a beauty backhand late in the game from Backey. Uh, then with no time remaining, the caps were in the box and then committed another penalty on the ice that was washed out because Konecki stole the puck and finished his Hattie on the empty net. You know, I think that, Again, watching the replay and, and re-watching some of the footage on top, you know, the cops were, the Caps were just like super sloppy, just careless with the puck for many of the goals against. They look really discombobulated in their own zone, which didn't help at all, you know, kind of compounded their issues. Uh, on top of this sloppy play, the Caps really couldn't stay out of the box. The Flyers were 2-for-6 on the power play and the Caps are 0-for-1. They gave up a big shorthanded goal during that power play. It's just... Literally everything that could have gone wrong did. Often if you see a team, you know, mismanaging the puck and turning it over all game, they'll also commit penalties to try to get back into position. Um, And that has to do with, I think that's a good example of like when coaches say, I think we were chasing the play, you know, we were behind the play all game. That's a great example as to what happens. The Caps uh, were owned in most measurable stats this game. Face-off, turnovers, block shots, giveaways, takeaways, penalty minutes, and shots on goal. All flyers, all game this game. But I do have some silver lining for you, Caps fans. Backstrom, I thought, looked really good with the puck. His skating was there. He made a hard cut in the neutral zone to make a breakout pass, and it looked smooth. He also registered his first assist on TJ Oshie's goal. All positive signs that Nick Backstrom is a world-class player still, even with that hip resurfacing thing that he had and kept him out for all the season up until now. Uh, That's great. Love to see it. And honestly, in retrospect, after the season's over, probably after Backstrom's career is over, after he finishes this contract, hopefully, and maybe even gets like a one-year extension, you're going to look back and say like, What a fucking battler he is to get back into this with the injuries that he sustained and and the problems that he's had. You know, when last week on Thursday, I was talking to Griffin Young's shout out Griff hat or young Griff, if you will, uh, as I've coined that, I hope he uses that. That'd be hilarious. I said, the Flyers weren't totally out of it, you know, out of the playoff picture. They, and they, they showed it this night. They can still play spoiler at worst, and at best, they can be, an, be a, uh, a playoff team. You know, the NHL is too damn good to take any team lightly. Um, I think that the Washington Capitals maybe were guilty a little bit of this uh, this game, but also having those new names and or those new old old new you know names returning to the lineup with like Backstrom, Wilson. Maybe they took their their foot off the pedal, and, and maybe it's it's kind of jarring chemistry a little bit. You know, you have to keep in mind the forward core is basically brand new as we've totally thrown out any chemistry we've built so far with these returning players. Uh, I think it's been exasperated as the players who've been playing center are now bumped to the wing, like Strom. Uh, Notice that this is, you know, bumping a a center to a wing after having great success as a wing is a bold move. I know that Lavie's trying to get his best roster out there, but this is... Kind of a center to a wing or a wing to a center transition is always one of the roughest ones that I've seen in the NHL. So, Godspeed for for the Washington Capitals. They need to figure it out. There's going to be a learning curve here, and I totally expect the Caps to figure it out, though. So, you know, hopefully they come back stronger on paper. And I think that we can all agree they're a better team, with obviously, with St. Thomas and Nick Baxter. Let's move on to the 14th. A few days in between this home and home series. Uh, we're at home this time. Reverse retros. And the... Uh, I believe Dylan Strom was scratched this game. In the previous game, Anthony Mantha was scratched. I thought that was a good idea. Anthony Mantha is, is a... Inconsistent player and always has been, unfortunately. I think that... In the NHL, at least. Um... When he scores, he scores in bunches, but you know when he when he has his streaks, he shits the bed hard, and you know when it's it's tough because if you look at his total points, you think oh well that's those are good numbers. Um, I don't know if he scores five times in a blowout though, it's really not a huge lift for the team at large. I'd love to see, like, uh, how many goals are multi-goal games for Anthony Mantha. (laughs) Because if, let's say he scores in, you know, he has 40 goals. He doesn't. He hasn't never probably, I don't know, he hasn't and might not ever. But if he only scores 40 goals in, like, 15 games, yeah, he helped us win those 15 games. But it's a little bit misleading. I'll just say that, and he may be that player, but, um, you know, he does have that top six skill set, and we'd love to see him kind of come out of his, his shell there. But anyways, on the 14th, <laughs> Lavi went on some crazy shit and then scratched Dylan Strom just to, you know, free up some space, see what he could work with. Uh, Mantha was back in and, uh, Mantha actually didn't have a, a terrible game. He just couldn't finish. Which is he's been kind of snake bit, I think, throughout this uh, this whole campaign, uh, in certain stretches especially. But in the first, the Caps are really taking the play of the Flyers. I think that they, you know, we t- they talked about in the post gamer and the and the post game pressers. Lavula really wanted the boys to come out and attack versus kind of sit back and see what's going to happen. I think that as Caps fans, we know that that's probably something that we would want them to do more, right? And when they do that, they're a much more interesting and dangerous team to play against. The Caps were taking the play to Flyers, uh, but on the softest call of the game, I thought, the Flyers do get a power play and the D'Angelo shot from the point was deflected in front by a a shitty result. As Shiri was tripped right before this play, you know, minutes before this play happened, Shiri was tripped and that was a call of the, the refs swallowed their whistles and a... Somewhat less agree and I mean this was right as Shuri was entering the zone. You know, I feel like the closer the net you get, the more shit you can get away with. So Lars Eller is back checking properly on on I forget who it was that, that drew it on a Flyers player. And just just through the incidental contact, the Flyers player bails out and falls down. They called it a trip. You know, um I thought that was a terrible call, obviously. Worst call of the game, super soft. Uh, and the Flyers get a one-goal gift from it. Mantha then had a great opportunity, like I talked about, but opted for a shot, which was stuffed. I'm not sure um, you know, he's reacting too well to being benched, but he was obviously in the right place at the right time, working hard. Um, I hope he's just not super in his head. I thought that he had time to, because of how aggressively Carter Hart was playing that puck, he probably could have tried to go around, make a deke, but then again, he's a much better hockey player than I am, so I guess I trust his decision-making there, you know, twenty twenty hindsight. Uh, he thought he saw an opening, but it wasn't there. Luckily, though, at the end of the period, Ovi picked up Gustafson's rebound and ended up scoring on a second chance off his rebound of his own on a backhand in front of the net, you know, just... A nose for the goal, a nose for the puck, Ovi has always had, and I think this is a perfect, perfect example of it. He wasn't, you know, blasting the puck from outside or from his office. 100% just kind of hardworking goal. Love it. Caps were pushing until the end of the period where Orlov did hit the C bar as the period ended in the last minute. That would have been a game changer. Um, it was a good setup. Orlov had a perfect lane uh the carter hart had a perfect lane to see him and he just beat him clean um but that of course doesn't even register as a shot on goal (laughs) so good for orlov you know post hits suck but great way to be there and nice shot in the second caps first five minutes were at a fever pace several shots on net but on a on a botched clearing play kimper tried to clear his uh keep the puck going. on his own with a backhand out and everyone in black was just kind of standing around doing nothing good, which was all in a backdoor layup by JVR. That was an ugly play. We don't often see that from the Washington Capitals. Uh, I don't know if that's like a torts Philly thing, that type of play while it was broken on the breakout cannot be a trend for the Washington Capitals or we're going to get buried a few minutes later. Hayes dangled Kemper out of his crease and then took it around the net for addition front. And just like the previous goal, we had numbers back, but no one was on their assignment. No one was able to figure out whose body to take or whose stick to wrap up. It's like we were all trying to cut down passes. Uh, everyone in, in in black was trying to cut down a pass. And all five guys, or all four at least, guys were in front of the net. We had the guys there. Uh, we just couldn't make it happen uh, with the assignment, which... I guess a uh, a youth hockey coach would call that's puck watching. Everybody was kind of puck watching, uh, being dumb. <laughs> that type of play, though, is something that will kill teams. It definitely won't fly in the NHL. It's it's a uh, it's rough to see because as of late, up until this point, and on as the Caps are playing good, these were the type of plays that were. We we were there for Kemper as he got tangled out of his crease and was out of position. Um, unfortunate. I mean, and it, and it was really, if you think about the play, like a two on three. If you segment it out, there were three Caps back on this little kind of short break or or controlled, uh, slow break, if you will. In the third, the Caps continued to push play and got shots on net, but to no avail. The Caps defensively, I think, laid a and that was it. That's all all she wrote. The Caps defensively here. I think laid a bit of an egg on the last couple of days. There were times where it the set right formation defensively, but didn't shut it down with the man-on-man coverage. Instead, everybody was either lost or trying to pick up the pass. Additionally, the Flyers had a ton of very dangerous chances. There were several odd-man rushes on Kemper. That's something that hasn't been a huge issue for the Washington Capitals this far in the season, even playing against very fast teams. Now, let's hope that's not a trend and honestly, it can't be a trend for us to make the playoffs. But if you look at this, you know, we are returning Backstrom and Wilson, both guys who are probably a little less speedy than some of the guys that would have been playing in their stead, like Strom, Milano, you know, those type of guys. Uh, just putting that out there, I'm not saying that we should bench Backstrom and Wilson or anything. But at the same time, um, the Washington Capitals are going to be need to be less risky uh, to, to uh, you know, make up for that lack of foot speed that they, that they've got, you know, lack of foot speed, but they should have on the other end, some heavy offensive juice coming in with Nick Backstrom and Tom Wilson here. Um, both of both though, Wilson, Backstrom are defensively responsible. So it just sucks with, to see this type of collapse. I think right now, um, especially when we're expecting big things out of these players. But keep in mind, folks, they've been on the shelf for months. It's not an, not an easy thing to do to come back to this, this, the highest level of play, the silver lining of it all. Ovi's goal was number 30 on the season, eight ten on his career. He ties ex cap, Mike Gardner for the most 30 goal set seasons in a career with 17. Um, that's the most in NHL history. He would have had 18 consecutively, but the, the covid thing fucked that up. Gardner also had a shortened season that derailed his consecutive goal or consecutive 30 goal season streak. So, I guess, you know, generation to generation this shit is still prevalent with the shortened seasons. Uh sick league NHL managing it properly, of course. Um so overall <clears throat> not the results that we wanted, but I think that the team did respond In the second game, obviously, when you're looking at a shit game, even if it's easy to or or perceivably easy to do better than the last game, if your team comes out and does worse, that's alarming. If they do better, which I think they did, you know, uh, it's a it's a good thing. So, excuse me, pretty tough. Pretty tough week. Obviously, I thought that these were going to be four points. We got none. Uh, by the way, that was a 3-1 to loss against Philly on that last game. If we look at the standings, though, we are still in that first wild-card spot with a three-point gap between the Islanders and us and a four-point gap with the Penguins, who are outside looking in. The Penguins actually, though... Do have only one point gap between them and the Islanders, so it remains tight in the Metro and the East at large. I need a drink. Mm. All right. Next week, crazy week, very busy, and honestly, this is a good time, I believe. <laughs> Wilson and Backstrom have had a couple games back, three games or so, taking two L's, one win. Backstrom's on the board. Wilson isn't. They've been practicing for a month at, at you know, supposed to full health. They need to go through a little bit of a stress test right now, and this is a good time to do it. We've got, on the 16th, at, in Brooklyn, or I mean, I'm sorry, in the island, At the New York Islanders, 7.30, back-to-back on the 17th versus Minnesota at home, 7 p.m. Minnesota's pretty good. The Islanders are pretty good. It's a four-point swing with the Islanders. That's much-needed points if we can win against Minnesota. Then, two days later on the 19th, we go west. Arizona, 9 p.m. Eastern. And then at Vegas on the 21st. 10 p.m. I'm saying... And... Hyper conservative prediction. The only team the Washington Capitals beat next week is the Arizona Coyotes. 1-3. Do I think that they have the ability to go 4-0? Yes. But... I need to put this reverse karma out because my, my picks have been off a little bit, just by one or two. Um, never completely wrong because I'm never wrong. But this is how I, I foresee this going for now. One and three is acceptable, though it would put us in a tough spot, especially if we lose to the Islanders. That's a, a four point swing. We need those points. So in Long Island. On the 16th, which is today, that the episode is being released, Caps seem to bring the best game that they've played all season. So let's hope they do it and get the dub. And then we go out west, and who the hell knows what goes on because we never see these teams, but I would love to see us beat the Knights. That would be great. Um, Minnesota, sneaky good too. So tough week, very busy, four games this week. Caps fans, I really hope that you like it please tune in on Thursday I'm going to be diving into what the roster looks like with uh for foreseeably the rest of the regular season considering you know JC's out long term who knows what Brown's doing Haglin's probably you know he at this point maybe not returning likely not returning um and, you know, we'll talk about, like, what the t- Caps can do or who they should move at the trade deadline. So a little bit of, uh, you know, deep dive on that. The first one of the season with just me. So thanks for tuning in on this Monday episode. Hope to see you on Thursday. Until then, Caps fans, have a great week. And it's Hockey chill Sign out. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Turf podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, The Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to The Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet on social and the TheHockeyPodcastNetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.